Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Introducing the American League All-Star. From the Minnesota Twins, catcher A.J. Piersinski. Now it's time to meet the 2006 All-Stars. First, representing the American League. From the Chicago White Sox, catcher A.J. Piersinski. It's this one to left center field. Back it goes. Back, back. Gone! That was a big home run by Persinski. And Persinski down the line and right back. Gone again. And they want the curtain call, and they got it from their catcher, A.J. Persinski. Escobar, another strikeout. Persinski is going down to first. The home plate umpire has not made a call and safe, and the Angels are already off the field. Tying run at second, two out, Palmero over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges, throws, out, and the White Sox have won the World Series. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. I know that our producer, Sean Anderson, enjoyed himself cutting that one together the White Sox winning the World Series and one of the stars of that team uh, now an excellent broadcaster for Fox baseball is AJ Pruszynski and he joins hit and run right now on 670 the score on the Alpamani Ford hotline Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park good morning AJ thanks for the time how you doing oh uh, good am I allowed to be on the station <laughs> I know there was a time when you were not, uh, you you said no to this station quite a bit. Um, there was a time when you were on the lot. Were, I didn't know yeah. that you guys were the official Cubs radio station. I don't know that they would allow. I didn't know that they would allow me on this. Oh yeah, no, you're 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 definitely allowed. We talk both teams, especially on this show right here, um, and both teams are really good and really interesting for the first time, like ever. It ever that that both teams have been this good and this interesting. I mean, you were you were part of some great series, but you realize this is a special moment, don't you? In terms of like them both being good yeah. and interesting and potentially playoff teams, right? Well, I mean, '08 we both made the playoffs, I believe. '05, '06, both teams were supposed to be good, right? Yeah, uh, it's happened yes. before, but it's always a good thing when both teams are good for the city. Anytime there's a city that has two teams and they're both good and they're both relevant, it's great for not only the city but for baseball because it brings the interest out, it brings the rivalries out. And, uh, it's always better when the White Sox win the first two games of a series also. 
Well, when they smack the bejesus out of the Cubs as they had <laughs> the, la- the last two days. Yeah, I'm sure you've been. That's, that's, a, it, it, that's, that's a nice way to put it. Well, I mean, it's true. I mean, 11 home runs in two days. My my God, man. But, you know, clearly this White Sox team looks at the Cubs as a measuring stick. I mean, they've said it, you know. Lucas Giolito the other day said, you know, the talent disparity that was there, it's, it's not really there anymore. And Ricky Renteria, who has a history with the Cubs that did not end well, like looking forward to this. Did you look at them as a measuring stick ever? Like in 08, they, they were good, and they had just gone to the playoffs. Did, did you go into those series thinking, if we can be that good, if we can beat them, then maybe we can get there too? Well, I, I looked at it differently. I always just assumed every team I was on was better than every other team we played against, so it didn't matter, but uh, <laughs> that was just the way I had to do it. But, um, yeah, I think – I don't know that we looked at it as – when I was with the White Sox, we didn't look at it as a measuring stick because we always just thought we were better, and I mean – uh, there were years when we probably weren't, but inside that clubhouse, and at least inside my mind, I don't think we ever talked about it. I just know that we always wanted to win those games and uh, kind of put a stamp on the on the city, I think. Um, but I don't think as far as a measuring stick, as far as who was better. I mean, the first year I was in Chicago, we won the World Series. We were clearly better. Uh, hmm. 08 is the, is the one I remember really well where we went to Wrigley, we got swept, and then they came back to uh, – at the time, U.S. Cellular, and we swept them back, and that was that was great because they were riding high, and the Cubs fans were riding high at that time. And then they came over to the South Side, and we swept them. And uh, I remember that series meaning a lot, but all those series meant a lot. Um, living in Chicago for as long as I did for eight years, and playing for the White Sox, and having friends that are fans of both teams, uh, those 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 six games every year were special because people. People on both sides of the of the coin and both both teams wanted you to win so bad. It meant it just meant so much for both organizations that it was fun, man. I love those games. They were they were the best. I mean, I played Red Sox, Yankees. I played Dodgers, Giants, uh, you know, Do- uh, Giants, A's, uh, and those hmm. those six games for some reason meant more in that city than I obviously wasn't a, a Mets or a Yankees guy, but uh, you know, those six games meant more than any other games that easily on the schedule. Your your career numbers against the Cubs, I'm looking at them. 821 career OPS. That's pretty that's pretty damn good. And then uh, at Wrigley, and, and by the way, that's a pretty big sample. 68 games against the Cubs with various teams, obviously 257 plate appearances. But you had five homers, 22 RBIs in 32 games at Wrigley. Um, that place gets you going because you had friends in the stands, fans of both teams in the stands. I, I love I love going there. I had a lot of non-friends in the stands. I had a lot of enemies in the stands too, especially when I went to the White Sox. So I loved playing there. I mean, I loved it. Uh, I, I ask anyone that knows me. I lived like when the other team fans were booing me and, and all over me. I think my, my teammates liked it more than I did because they would all laugh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to those going to Wrigley every year. What people don't know is that uh, I was almost traded to the to the Cubs before I went to the Giants in, in the offseason of 03 before 04, and I could have been a Cub. History could have been different. Wow. No, I, I didn't know that. that. That's a pretty famous trade. That's uh... – the, Joe, uh, Joe Mauer, uh, not Joe Mauer, um, Joe Nathan's in that trade, Booth Bonser's in that trade, yeah. and, 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 and Booth Bonser, that name gets mentioned today. What, so what was the deal for the Cubs going to be? Did, did, were you privy to it? Did you know about it? I, I don't know what the deal was. I just know LaTroy Hawkins had signed there, and we were teammates with the Twins, and he called me, I want to say the day before or right before I got traded to the Giants, and he said, hey, Dusty, had just, Dusty was there. And he said, hey, I just want you to know that I'd sign here and Dusty called me and said they're going to trade for you. 
So, you, you know, be, how would you like to be a Cub? And at the time, I was like, great. You know, I didn't know anything about it, really. And they were, it was 03 after they had just lost, uh, obviously, the famous Bartman year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next day I woke up, I was actually out, of, I was out in Hawaii for a wedding. And I get a call and I got traded to the Giants. And I was like, wait a minute, I thought I was going to the Cubs. What happened? So, uh, yeah, for a while I thought I was going to go to the Cubs. Man, you, and then you had a you had an interesting year in San Francisco uh, at at that point. I mean, it's like I, yeah. I know some stuff went went on, you know, the Brett Tomko stuff. I, I wasn't even going to go there, but now here we are talking about San Francisco. It, it's it, it's just you thrived on people not liking you. You said it, like you thrived on fans not not liking you. Um, did did you thrive on teammates on getting under the skin of teammates uh, in in, well, in, I, in a different kind of way? I don't, I don't know if that's the right word. I thrived on trying to get the most out of people, I think, is, is and I was, okay. I mean, I wasn't afraid to, like, say the things that most people don't say. Um, meaning, like, if a guy wasn't doing what I thought they should have been doing, then I would say something. That's the way I was kind of brought up with the twins. And, um, you know what, I look at it and I say, hey, maybe I wasn't, maybe I didn't say it the right way, which I'll never, I don't think I'll ever be confused as, like, the best communicator with people. I think, yes, people that know me, they'll, I do the best I can, but I'm very honest. And a lot of times that rubs people the wrong way. And I understand why now looking at it, I, there are always things in life. I think you look back on and say, oh, I could have handled that differently, but it was the way I had to go about it and the way I thought was right at the time. So uh, there was nothing, I, I didn't intentionally try to make people angry. I, it didn't bother me when people made me angry because it made me play better. But now looking hmm. back on it, I guess I didn't handle things the right way because I shouldn't have, I always thought, and now that I have kids and, and I'm around kids a lot more, I understand that, hey, not every person is wired the same, but it always worked for me. Like if somebody challenged me and was like, yeah. hey, you're not doing this right, then I'd be like, screw you, I'm going to show you. And not all people work that way. And now as you, as you get older, you learn that and you become smarter about communication and handling different types of personalities. Yeah, well, we all we all have stuff that 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 we wish we did a, a little bit differently. But you seem to have a very good self awareness about who you are, you know, and like what motivates you and 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 what gets you going. And and it seems like you had that early because that 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 kind of that feeling of like we're better than you, we're better than you, we're better than you. You, you need that to be good at this game, don't you? You you need that you, arrogance. Uh, I, well, I don't know about arrogance, but you need to be able to lie to yourself a lot of times. Um, you need it. You, you need, you need like an inner strength in baseball because you just don't, it's such a hard game, especially, I mean, on both sides, but especially as a hitter. And when you play every day, I mean, if you're playing, you know, a hundred and I was, you know, 130 games and some of these guys play 150, 160 games, there's going to be times where you're like, Oh, for 15, Oh, for 18, Oh, for 20. And, and there'd be days where I'm Oh, for 12 and come in the lineup and we're facing say CC Zabathia and I'm in there and they're in Ozzy would look at me and be like, ah, they'd la- Joey Cora would laugh at me and be like, good luck. And I'd be like, well, you know what? I'm going to get a hit. I'm going to figure out a way to get a hit, even though you feel like crap and you're really struggling and everyone's like, what is wrong with you? You got to lie to yourself and say, Oh, I'm right where I need to be. I'm going to figure it out. And then a lot of times you do, but you have to be able to lie to yourself in baseball because it's such a hard game. It's such a mental challenge every day. That's what, that's the thing about baseball, I think, in other sports is it's every day and it's an everyday mental challenge. Hmm. And, and AJ, I love hearing you break down at bats. Uh, you're you're real good at doing games, man. It's really fun to listen to you. And I'm wondering, because I, I keep learning stuff uh, I, I, all the time. Like, what have you learned about the game doing this job as opposed to being in it as long as you were? What have you continued to learn? Well, I, I, I've learned more about the other side of it. Um as a player, you're so focused on yourself and your team and your, and what's happening on the field that you, that I've learned so much about 
the sabermetrics, the stats. I mean, when I got out of baseball, it was just kind of hitting. Um, my last year was 16, so four years ago now. And it was just kind of, I mean, the A's are kind of the outlier. Other teams are kind of getting into it. And now it's, it's all people want to hear about. They want to hear about exit velocity and launch angle and, and WOBA and, and, and war and all this stuff that, you know, we used to joke when I was playing, oh, this guy had this war. Well, I can tell you what, you know, Mike Trout, yeah, he doesn't need to, you don't need to tell me he has a good war because he's the best player going. I mean, it was like, I, I didn't need that stuff. But as you, as I've learned more and more about that side and what managers look for, because we get to talk to these managers every week and I, I learn what these managers are looking for and what they're trying to do with their team. That's the part that is now interesting to me. The game is the game and the game will be the same. It's more about the, the strategy and what the different organizations look for and how they try to go about it. And, I also learned that, man, baseball is easy from the stands. It's, it looks so easy. I'm like, gosh, how can I – how did he miss that pitch? And then I think back to all the times I did it, and I'm like, yeah, it's really not that easy. <laughs> AJ is going to be doing a game August 25th, 9.30 p.m. with uh, Kevin Burkhart, uh, a Fox MLB analyst, AJ Pruszynski, joining us on Hit and Run here on 670 The Score. All right, so, so get this. Those numbers against the Cubs, real good. Same minimums, 60 games, 200 plate appearances. There's only one team that you're better against. Do you know who it is? Kansas City. Kansas City. Nope. It's the White Sox. It's the White Sox. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Good. Oh, man, I used to love – I used to love because when I was with the Twins, man, we come into Chicago and they they had like Ray Durham and and Keith Folk and – Bobby Howry, and they were all talking trash. And when we come in there, we just whoop them every time. It's great. <laughs> I know. I remember. I love that. I, I looked at that. It made me laugh so hard. Because those twins, man, you guys would just d- destroy them. And they had a way. They had this whole model of doing stuff. And you guys uh, were all doing it. When you got here in 2005, um, you know, where their Sox players are like, oh, great. Yeah, great. Here, here's AJ. Because the way they used to beat their butt when you were with the twins. Uh, no, they were pretty. They were welcome. I think it was weirder for me coming in because I was, I mean, I was raised a twin, right? So we had a yeah. certain way. And then I get to the White Sox, and, and when I, I just I've told the story a few times that when I went, I got I signed, and then I went to Sox Fest the first year in '05, as the winner of '05, and I was with my wife, and we're we're in the car coming over to the to the convention center, wherever it was, and and, and I was just White Sox stuff everywhere. And I remember, like, looking at my wife, and she kind of looked at me, and I was like, this is just really strange. Like, she's like, you're kind of freaked out right now. I'm like, yeah, because, I mean, as a twin, and and all the the games we had against the White Sox, there was a little bit of a rivalry there just because of all the trash talking back and forth. I mean, it was was strange. And then, but the players were great. The organization was great, so – yeah. I couldn't I couldn't fault them, but it was strange on my end. I don't I don't know, I can't speak for anyone else, but on my end it was weird. I just was happy that I was able to come over and we obviously had a lot of success, so that made it definitely an easier transition. It's um it, it's weird to have this series without Ed Farmer for the first time in, in decades. I remember seeing you and Farmio arguing about Notre Dame football in the clubhouse <laughs> one time. It, <laughs> AJ, yeah. That probably happened a lot, but you know, Farmio well, was the good, you know, wasn't he? You mean that irrelevant team that's in South Bend, Indiana, that hasn't won anything since '88? That team? Uh, yeah, I have a lot of Notre Dame friends. They're, you know, they're the Notre Dame fans make me laugh because, like, when I was with the White Sox, we would have, oh, I'm a Notre Dame fan. I'd be like, Have you ever been to a game? And they're like, No. I'm like, Can you name anyone other than the starting quarterback? No. I'm like, Then you're not a fan, dude. Don't don't give me that. Uh, but yeah, Farmio is is obviously missed. He was a White Sox lifer, even though he played for other teams. He grew up there. He. He lo- I mean, he loved the White Sox, and 
Uh, Farmio had, and I had ups and downs just because of the, we would talk a lot of trash to each other. But deep down, Farmio was a really good human being. And he really cared for the guys that, that were on that White Sox field and in that uniform and in that organization. And uh, he is missed, and it's still not the same not to hear him. It's just like it is with Hawk. I mean, Benetti does a great job, but not to hear Hawk doing the White Sox, especially the Cubs-Sox games. And I mean, think about how much Hawk probably has enjoyed watching these last two games and He's probably sitting every time the White Sox hit a home run. He's probably sitting there saying to himself, "You can put it on the board, yeah." <laughs> Just on the couch, probably. Um, every a time more minutes, a White they... Sox guy hits, every time a White Sox guy hit a home hits a home run, I text all my friends and say, and text them, "You can put it on the board." And they're getting sick of it now because all the home runs. See, you you know, you're that guy. You're doing that. Everybody's that's the well, thing, man. Everybody's got to have text threads alive and kicking during this game because nobody's there and nobody's next to each other at a bar. So you got to be smack talking. <laughs> it's good to know you're just like us, AJ. Of course, man. My, well, yeah. the thing is, my before the series, you know, my Cubs friends were like, "Oh, the White Sox been playing good," but you know, they're about to get a true test. And then first night, I mean, Homer, 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 Homer. And then last night, Homer, Homer, Homer. Uh, I mean, I was I was joking with Len Casper, who's a great broadcaster. I've worked with the Fox and and Mike Santini, who's in charge of the. Um, the marquee yep. network over there. And I, and I text them both before the game. And I was like, let's go socks. And I got two thumbs down from them both. And then the home <laughs> run started flying. And San, I think Santini texted me back. Well, I was thinking about hiring you, but after you text that, I don't think I can anymore. Something, <laughs> you know, just goofing around. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's just a playful rivalry. And I enjoy people that can watch the games. And if today, if the Cubs go out and, and hammer the White Sox, which I hope doesn't happen, but if it doesn't, I'll get texts back and I'll laugh and we'll move on. I mean, it's not life or death, but it's supposed to be fun, man. That's what, that's what sports and games are all about is having fun. Absolutely. And these games are fun like that. You're part of the legacy forever, um, obviously. Is there anything that the public doesn't know about the Barrett uh, incident? Or is, is there anything that should never get out about that that the public does not know at this point? I don't know. I mean, I've, uh, that's the one thing that everyone asks. I mean, they always ask me about that. And I've, and I've answered that question. So I, like, I've, I've kind of run out of answers. And as far as people, okay, what people don't know, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I, I've never really heard him talk about it. I don't really care what he has to say. Um, I mean, we've seen each other since, and we're cordial to each other. But, you know, we're not hanging out anytime soon. Um, yeah. I don't know. We knew each other before. and we were, I thought we were friends before. And then that all happened, and kind of things changed. And, um it just, it was one of those, you know, it was one of those things that happened and, and people still say, oh, this and that. And what's funny is people don't even remember actually what happened. Most people, like White Sox fans think that I punched him and then Cubs fans think it's like so, they're like, oh, he, he knocked you out. You know, it's like, I'm like, well, no, he didn't even, he really didn't do anything. And it was kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of one of those stories, that, you know, it's like the, the fish story. It gets bigger and better as the years go on and it'll always be part of my life and my career and uh, it makes me laugh and it makes me smile and Sometimes, you know, my kids are at the age now where they have Google and phones and computers and their friends bring it up. And, you know, that's the only part that's kind of funny because then, then I get asked about it while my kids' friends. Yeah. Well, and see, that's so right that people don't remember because they think of you as the bad guy. But but the Barrett, the play that he made is illegal now to block without the ball, to, right? To block without the ball. And yeah. you only got fined. You got fined 250 bucks, right? That's not even a fine. <laughs> right. That's appetizers. That's appetizers at Joe's Stone Crab or something. He tried to suspend me for exciting the crowd. That was my favorite. When I got the letter... <laughs> And it's just, they started to suspend me for a couple games, and it said for exciting the crowd. And that's why I was ejected, because I excited the crowd. And when I had my phone call with whoever 
whoever was in charge of discipline. I'm like, aren't we supposed to excite the crowd? I don't understand what the why I got first of all ejected and why I'm getting suspended. And then they they turned they tuned it down to two hundred fifty dollar fine, which I still thought was excessive. But uh, you know, I wrote the check to to, to them happily. Um, AJ, do you want to manage at all? Would you ever, would you ever do it? I mean, Ross is 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 enjoying himself. I think he's seemingly pretty good at it. I think you'd be pretty good at it. Interest? Uh, yeah, I'd love. I mean, I look, I'd love the opportunity. Um, but I also look at it like, I mean, I see all these guys that have gone and done it now. That I knew Alex Cora, Aaron Boone, that were on TV, and then they go managers and amazing how many gray hairs they get all of a sudden they went from like aaron boone was like the youngest looking dude now i see him and he's got gray hair i'm like booney man you, you know what happened he's like yeah, there's a lot of stress in this job uh i, I love what i'm doing now because uh, i still get to be in the game i still get to be around guys i mean with, without when the, there's no covid and still get to talk to players in front office and managers and watch baseball and um but of course i love the opera i don't think i don't think that there's any player I mean, there are some, but I don't think there's any player that that thinks that they know baseball that, given the opportunity, would say no to managing managing a major league baseball team. It's too hard of a job to turn down. And let's not forget, there's only 30 of those guys in the whole world. So, uh, of course, I'd love the opportunity, but it would have to be the right opportunity. And uh, the biggest thing is my family would have to sign on, which is which is the tough part. Mm-hmm. Um, um, AJ, I wanted to ask you about this real quick. Um, you got thrown out of a game in 2014. Brandon Workman, who's still in the game and just, just got beat for the Phillies yesterday. But apparently you said to the umpire, give me a new ball, one that you can see. Because, because he had, because Workman had walked somebody and you're like, man, this ump sucks. Give me a new ball, one you can see. And you got ejected. Is that true? And is that the best line you ever got off to an umpire? Because that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that is, it's 99% true. There were some other words in there um, that I can't repeat on your rate unless you want the FCC to call you guys. No, I'm good. Um, yeah. Um, no, it was a lot. It was, uh, it was a, I don't know. We were, I think we were getting beat up pretty good with the, I was with the Red Sox. We were struggling. We were in Cleveland. Um, yeah, he thrown some pitches I thought were close. The pitch he actually that I asked for a new ball was actually a ball now that I've seen the replay, but I was just fed up with it. So, uh, I just, I'd always, so I played with this guy in the minor leagues with the twins named Shane Gunderson, who was a catcher slash outfielder at university of Minnesota. And he always told this story about a guy he played with that was a catcher and the guy got ejected for asking the umpire for a ball he could see. And I was like, yeah, that would never work. No one would ever say that. And so I was just fed up one day and ready to get out of the game. And he, there was a couple close pitches. And uh, Quinn Walcott, I believe, was behind the plate. And yeah. after, ball, after ball four, I just kind of handed him the ball. And I was like, hey, Quinn, I need a new ball. And he's like, why? And I'm like, I need one you can blah, 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 see. <laughs> and he went to hand me a ball. If you watch the replay, he actually goes to hand me a new ball. And then he stops and he thinks about it. He's like, you're out of here. You can't say that to me. And I'm like, well, say what? And he's like, I need a ball I can see. And I go, that's not what I said. And he's like, yeah, it is. I go, no, I need a ball. You, you can da-da-da-da, bleep, 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 bleep. And, uh, yeah, he threw me out of the game. Yeah, that's a true story. It's funny, though. I mean, it's a great – I'm proud, actually kind of proud of that one because it keeps living on. It's like the, it's like the bear story. It keeps getting better with age. 
There you go. See, you need these. Add that to the pile of, of AJ stories that just get better every time. Um, all right, man. Hey, thank you. This was fun. I appreciate the time, and uh, I know fans love to hear you. And, and you've got the right spirit about this rivalry, man. It's like it, it, it's about giving each other crap. It's about it's about going at each other and having fun because there's bigger stuff in the world to worry about. This is supposed to be fun, right? And it this is supposed, fun. Yeah, this is supposed to be a release. And something to get your mind off of all the things, other things that are happening in the world. So enjoy it. And whoever wins tonight, hopefully it's the White Sox. I mean, I'll watch this afternoon and, and I'll be right there and, and cheering for the White Sox. I think I'm allowed to say that, but uh, yeah, I'll be rooting for the White Sox. And uh, yeah, I mean, go Sox. There it is. AJ, thanks, man. Appreciate it. No problem, guys. Thanks a lot. You got it. That's AJ Prezinski from Fox right there. He's fun. Um, he, he knows who he is. He doesn't. He's all right with that. He's all right with who he is. Made peace with it. Yeah, you know. And so it, all the Barrett stuff is out. It's all there. I don't think there's anything else. Okay, good to know. It's 670 to score. Chris Kampka coming up in a little bit. Uh, lots more to come. We'll keep you updated on the Bears situation. And did you guys realize that the Indians found another one? Do, do you realize this? We have to talk about that in a moment on Hit and Run on 670 to score. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. It is indeed hit and run. As we take a look around, let's find who the best pitching staffs are in baseball. In terms of the starting rotation, I have uh, my theories as to who it might be. Because the Cleveland Indians are outrageous. Are they still outrageous? Yeah. They have a 2.80 ERA as a starting pitching staff. Unbelievable. The Reds are right there, 3.27. The Dodgers at 3.30. Then the Padres. I'm telling you, man. The Padres arms. Denelson Lamette. Anybody watching that guy? Strikes out the world. Vicious stuff. The movement on his sliders. Woo, woo, woo. Makes, makes me go kooky. And the Cardinals, that rounds out your top five. But the Indians, almost half a run better than anybody else as a starting pitching staff. And that is with Trevor Bauer gone. It's with Corey Kluber gone. That is with Mike Clevenger with their minor league bunch. And with Zach Plesak with their minor league bunch. This is about the emergence of Shane Bieber. It is about the return of Carlos Carrasco. Um, And it is also about the fact that they have more, more, more. Aaron Savale has been really good. And then there's this kid. Did anybody see him? Tristan McKenzie. They call him Dr. Sticks. He struck out 10 people last night at Progressive Field. They, They were all members of the Detroit Tigers. That's who he was playing against. Struck out 10. That is more strikeouts than any pitcher in Indians history. In his debut, with the exception of, this this made me smile, Luis Tiant struck out 11 in nine innings against the Yankees July of 1964. Do you know why they call Tristan McKenzie Dr. Sticks? Shane, do me a favor. Oh, Shane. Sean. Sean Anderson. Great job as producer as always, and I do know your name. I know it. Turn into Lester Opstein here. Shane Anderson. (laughs) I was was getting a, a croissant in North Carolina. And Shane, all right, Sean, do me a favor. Look up what the um, the suggested healthy weight range is for a 6'5 human being. 
okay? A six foot five inch man. Because Tristan McKenzie is six five and 165 pounds. Anywhere from 187 to 229. Okay, 187 to 229 for 6'5". A 6'5 athlete, you're used to him being about, what, 240? Something like that. He's 165! It's like Carl Edwards got stretched out to 6'5", and they didn't really add any more weight. Dr. Sticks, what a cool-ass nickname. He's 23 years old. He was the number one prospect in the Indian system for a while. He missed the first half of 2018 with arm injuries, had a strained right rotator cuff and a pectoral muscle, cost him all of last year, his major league debut, and he looked awesome. Check out the highlights. His fastball, it's, it's that, it's that four-seam fastball that Giolito throws, that Kimbrell throws, that Darvish throws. When it's high at the top of the zone and it looks like it's rising, it doesn't have to be 98 or 99. When you have other stuff and when you know how to spot it and it moves like that, this kid has it. Keep it in the right place. All his strikeouts are all up there in the top of the zone. I think most of them were on, were on fastballs. Another cool little part of this, as Dr. Sticks made his debut for the Indians uh, last night and pitched incredibly well, is that the current number one prospect in the Indian system is a third baseman named Nolan Jones. And Nolan Jones wanted to watch his friend, Tristan McKenzie, make his big league debut at Progressive Field. But he was not allowed in because he's not on the Indians' active roster. He's not on their roster of 28 right now. And everybody's limiting how many people can get in. But he was there. So you know what he did? He climbed to the third floor of the parking garage behind left field. There's pictures of it out there. So cool. And he watched his friend, Tristan McKenzie, make his big league debut in person from the equivalent of a rooftop, third floor of a parking garage down there in Cleveland. That's the number one prospect in the Indian system. It's awesome. Tristan McKenzie was asked about that after the game. He said, I think, one, it shows the great character of the guys the Indians have in general. Nolan's a really good friend of mine, and he didn't have to do that, but he did. And I'm going to try to be there for his debut because I'm going to feel bad if I'm not. He wasn't even allowed in the stadium and he was watching. I, I love that. In this weird ass COVID baseball season, when Tristan McKenzie can't have his family there, can't have his parents there to see the debut, can't have his friends there to see the debut. He had one friend who decided he wanted to watch. Top prospect in the system climbs the third floor of a parking garage. That's the good stuff. By the way, the Tigers um, finally had beaten the Indians on Friday. They had lost 20 games in a row to the Cleveland Indians. 20. And then they got a win, and now they lost again yesterday. Will the Tigers be selling off pieces? They don't have a lot to sell. They've got one, Jonathan Scope, the second baseman, who hits for a lot of power. I saw he was among those listed on that MLB article, the seven people most likely to move at the trade deadline. So maybe Jonathan Scope will go somewhere. But it's going to be a very, very weird trade deadline. That is for sure. So good job, Indians. I don't know how you keep manufacturing pitchers, uh, but they have another. And I guess maybe that's part of why they feel okay about leaving Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger down at the Lake County site uh, and hurting those guys for the protocol violation that they had. So far... Looking real good for them.
the Indians at 17 and 10 to be withstanding the loss of Clevenger and Plesak. It is hit and run. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on 670 The Score, this hour of which is brought to you by Valparaiso University. We all want to be part of something bigger at Valparaiso University. You can be part of something bigger without losing yourself in the crowd. And you'll discover that making the world a better place isn't wishful thinking. Visit valpo.edu to request information, apply, or schedule a visit. Top of the hour, bonus hit and run leading up to Zach Zabman and Cubs pregame at 1220 right here on 670 The Score. And after Zach, it's the game. After the game, it's Zach. And then it's Mullion Hall with a special post-post show. So you should be listening to The Score all day. And there might be Bears news as the day progresses. Um, They moved practice to the afternoon. As of now, there's no additional news to what I told you about last hour, which is the 9 Positive tests, COVID tests that the Bears had were deemed false positives. And there have been positive tests for lots of other teams around the NFL. And the NFL believes and hopes and prays that it is due to the testing facility in New Jersey. Because the NFL really wants to get their season in. Even though their sport is really difficult to imagine being played without just handing the virus around to each other. They want to play. And there have only been four people who have tested positive in all of the NFL camps combined so far. A huge rash of positives this morning that the NFL is saying is due to a testing facility. And the Bears have already confirmed that their nine positives were false positives. We'll keep you updated on everything. My guy, Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat, joins us next on NBC Sports Chicago. And he joins us next on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Time to get Cam connected. Our man, Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from the NBC Sports Chicago team, who joins me, Maddie Spiegel, on Hit and Run every Sunday because he's just so damn fun to talk baseball with. Cubs and Sox, I know you're a Sox guy, Kampka. They're hitting the ball really well. 27 homers in seven games. That seems good in seven wins in a row. That is a record, according to Elias. Uh, I, I, I assume that you would not doubt Elias in this way. It must be fun to watch that team hit all these homers right now. My goodness, where do we start? I mean, there's been a week of White Sox home run bonanza here. That if I wanted to get everything in, I'd have to talk as fast as that guy from the old micro machine commercials. But I'll just well, pick a few. Just pick a few. But, we have a, well. Let me let me let me say that we haven't really even talked about Luis Robert hitting what five in a week. Five. Well, I mean, I think. right. So Luis Robert's seven home runs in his first twenty-six major league games. Cool. One of only four players in White Sox history to do that. Right. And then Luis Menez. He had 40 home runs in his career. He had his 40th the other day in his 147th game, quickest in franchise history to reach 40, right? And Jose Abreu yesterday goes, don't forget about me. Hmm. And then he becomes the first player in White Sox history. He's at five homers over a two-game span. So it, and, then that's, and then you mentioned the team thing, 27 homers in the last seven games. To me, the most amazing thing about that is they've out-homered their opponent 27-2. to two over those seven games, which is unreal. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, I, I saw the stat, home run differential, and the White Sox are out in front 
in home run differential, um, uh, perhaps uh, unsurprisingly. Um, in terms of run differential, they're doing pretty good. It just in general, especially after these last couple of days, at a plus 31, the Twins are better at plus 39. The Oakland A's are better at plus 32, but that's it. They're tied with the Indians at plus 31 right now. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the run differential because the pitching's <clears throat> been really good under the radar. In fact, if you take away those first five games in the year, um, their starting ERA is second in the majors only to the Cardinals, who have played significantly fewer games. So it's kind of weak to even compare the Cardinals to the White Sox at that point. So, yeah, I mean, the White Sox are doing an all-around game here this, you know, this year so far. Well, you know, what do you got for the Cubs, buddy boy? Because we are the Cubs flagship, and we got to talk both in this town now, we're not going to turn back into WSOX. It's so funny. Listeners think we are, are biased one way or the other, no matter what we do. But the Cubs are struggling right now. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to you, Darvish. We'll talk about you, Darvish, at the top of the hour, continuing on hit and run. But uh, unearthed anything interesting about the Cubs this week, sir? Well, it's the third time since 1901 they've allowed five homers in consecutive games, which isn't very inspiring. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a bunch of games over a short span year. They had the day off, but they had that cluster um, of five games in three days. And Yeah. I mean, after that amazing start, they really slowed down quite a bit. And, I mean, it's, you know, um, Jose Abreu's got five homers over the last three, two games, and Anthony Rizzo has five homers all year, and then Baez hasn't homered since August 1st. Um, Bryant's out, so it's, it's frustrating. They're not clicking at all cylinders. At least you have Hap, who is finally reaching that potential that we we all saw. I mean, even before he was sent to the minors, you saw an excellent eye at the plate. Yeah, a lot of strikeouts, but he was drawing his walks. I think it was about 350 on base, even even in the struggling year of 2018. So um, mm-hmm. he's a bright spot. Um, you know, I mean, these guys are too good to, to be slumping for that long. I think they'll come around. And, yeah, Darvish is a great guy to have on the mound for them today. He's been excellent over his last four starts, a 4-0 and a 1-0-4 ERA that looks like something from three-finger brown. <laughs> so, and we'll see. We'll see because he has not been allowing home runs this year, uh, whereas the White Sox have been hitting them in bunches. Three and seven are the Cubs in their last ten. A, only, uh, a run differential of only plus three. The Dodgers, the best run differential in baseball at plus 71. 71, people. They're, they're ridiculous. Um, and then plus 23 for the Braves, plus 26 for the Padres. That's, so they might be the second best team <clears throat> in the National League, and they, they, they kind of look like it. They're tied for the lead in home runs uh, with the White Sox. Probably should have held on to the Tatis kid. You know, well, but. yeah, it's, that's, you know, it's, what can you do at this point? That's that's done and gone with Padres have five grand slams in their last six games. They had four grand slams, in 162 games last season. That's weird. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're a young team coming around loads of talent. And they're finally coming around and um, doing what everyone thought they would be doing. I think, you know, the Padres have been that team that's been on the verge of contending for a few years now. Um, especially after they signed Machado, uh, Tatis is otherworldly. Um, yeah, so it's exciting. And wouldn't that be what? something if that was a White Sox Padres World Series? 
Yeah, 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 it would. I just, you know, it's weird. I just, it, it, part of me doesn't want White Sox Cubs with no fans. Part of me thinks it just, it would be so disappointing to finally have that series and have nobody there and have no buzz in, in, in that way. So I kind of, I kind of don't want it. Um, but that's, that's purely selfish. Uh, and, and probably I'd find a way to talk myself out of that. What else has got you going this week, Mr. Kampka? What else is percolating for you? I mean, it's it's been all White Sox home runs for me. I mean, here's another one um, from Jose Abreu. So, yet, entering yes. yesterday's game, he was one behind Maglio Ordonez on the career White Sox home run list, fifth place, and he was one behind Maglio Ordonez on the career White Sox multi homer list, and he he passed him in one category and tied him in the other. So, you know, that that's a fun one too for Abreu, and Abreu over his last five games. He has two hits and four total bases in each of the last five games. He is the first White Sox player to do that since the great Eddie Collins, one of the clean Sox from 1919. Wow. Yeah, this Abreu is remarkable. And we started the show uh, paying homage to, to Abreu because it's just it's an, a remarkable career. Ten years in Cuba. Man, you ever take a look at the Cuban League stats of Jose Abreu? He had 30 homers three different times in a season that's like 80 games long. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, everyone it's crazy. out there, please do go look at those stats. They're video game numbers. And I think about Abreu, <clears throat> he's a guy who a lot of the advanced metrics say he doesn't have the highest on base percentage, he doesn't have a high war, but he's one of those guys, if you watch him over the course of a season, you understand his value to the team. And it's good to be able to, to have a little Jose, appreci- Jose Abreu appreciation time, especially mm-hmm. when he got, especially you can never lose sight of what he went through to get here. And that's an yes. amazing, amazing thing on its own. Yeah, the totality of the story is absolutely remarkable. Chris, you're the best. Thank you, man. Enjoy the game today and enjoy your little boy. He's doing okay? Feeling all right? Uh, he, he's crying, so he's all right. That's a plus. He's that's a plus. Crying, he's sleeping. Yes, absolutely. That's all all he's got. The the arsenal will get bigger, as it has for you. Thank you so much. Chris Kamka joins us every week to get Cam connected on on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Look, Abreu's numbers were going down over the past couple years, especially some of the advanced metrics that you look at. His, His weighted runs created plus was worse than it had been. It It absolutely was a bit of a statistical decline. But if you watched him... You could really tell, you could really tell that he was, he's still that guy. I could anyway, it sure looked like it because he's just, he's, he's so thorough and so, so mindful in his approach and so adult in the way he goes about things. And he finally now has a really good team with him. He finally now has good hitters in front, good hitters behind and he can just kind of show up and be part of the machinery as opposed to being like one of the only things that's functioning pretty well. And uh, and you see what it is. And he hit the three homers last night, got very emotional after the game, talking about, you know, what it meant to him to succeed there and at this level. Because there's been a lot of people who say, who's been, who've been saying he's in decline the last couple of years, move on, move on. But he wants to be here and wants to be part of it. And he is indeed part of it. It is 670 the score. Ian Miller is up for the Chicago Cubs. Ian Miller is here as the 28th man. James Norwood transferred to the 45-day 
injured list, and that uh, allows the 40-man roster space for Ian Miller as Chris Bryant went on the injured list yesterday. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about you, Darvish, and Javier Baez. All those things on the docket for our next segment. Bonus hit and run leading up to Zach Zabin and Cubs pregame at 1220. So if you Google that up or YouTube it up. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel Sunday mornings on The Score. This is the song. That Don Cooper's dancing to. Zach Collins and Danny Mendick have been dancing after every White Sox win. And they ha- they just started to take requests, and the main request they got was Don Cooper. He'd pitch a coach Don Cooper dancing, and they asked him, and he said yes. And I'm sure this, Coop must have requested this song by Chuck Berry, um, which I know Bruce Springsteen has covered through the years. So it, this is all I can picture now after talking to him along with Mark Grody during the uh, the pandemic shutdown and getting to know both Coop's dogs and his bird and hearing his wife talking to him. I'm picturing that house and like the dog and the bird and the wife and Coop all just kind of hanging out and dancing to Chuck Berry. That's that's I can't get that out of my head. Well, he was for doing, better or for worse. He was doing the Pulp Fiction move, too. So maybe he's just a big Pulp Fiction guy. Could be. Was that song in Pulp Fiction? Wasn't it that isn't it the know. diner song? Or am I, am I um, misremembering that movie? No, no you, you you might be right. You might be look Google it up as as Coop says on Google. I I Googled it up. Yeah, <laughs> check it out. Look it up. It's Cubs socks. It's Crosstown. It's supposed to be fun, people, and I think it is fun. Really enjoyed AJ Prezinski talking about the fun of the rivalry and the matchup. Really enjoyed Sean Marshall at ten o'clock talking about the fun and the rivalry of the matchup. And a listener, Patrick Murray, sent in a pretty awesome quiz that he put together for his family about players who have played for both teams. And there is some some really, really cool stuff in here. And I want to throw a little of it at you guys. And Sean, you'll have to be the guinea pig for this, okay? Um, because who was traded for Sammy Sosa? All these people, by the way, all these answers are people who played for both the Cubs and the White Sox. Traded for Sammy Sosa um, from the Cubs. A lot of people Cubs. are tweeting in Steve Stone. Yeah, no, Steve Stone is, is, is one of these answers. It's one of these answers. He played for both. The, the question that he had was about Lou Piniella. Lou Piniella saying, oh, uh, uh, what, oh, what kind of job has he ever had? What kind of what kind of job has he ever had in baseball besides talking about it on television or radio? What 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 what? So yeah, Steve Stone is in there, but George Bell traded for Sammy Sosa, having played for both teams. And there's some stuff in here I forgot. I did not remember that Bobby Bonds played for both teams. 45 games as a Cubs, 26 games as a member of the White Sox, for Bobby Bonds, who had an unbelievable career really did it's kind of a shame Manny Ramirez didn't play for the Cubs didn't make it up to the actual major league team because I know he was in the minors and helped Javi that would have been cool if he was able to get there for you know what play for the White Sox for a little bit and then make it back up to the Cubs hmm in um how about this one um this guy threw a perfect game in the World Series who threw a perfect game in the World Series Sean uh I see, this is like the easiest. Like, there's only one guy. Uh, there's only one guy. Don. Yes. Don, Don Larson. Larson. Okay. 
Don yeah. Larson was a Cub in 1967 and a member of the White Sox in 1961. Was Didn't he really? realize that. Yeah. I just knew he was that? a Yankee and threw the perfect game. Yeah, he, he, he played for both teams. D. Gordon, you know D. Gordon, the second baseman? His father, Tom Flash Gordon, was both a member of the Cubs and the White Sox. Tom Flash Gordon also gave up A-Rod's first career homer. Oh, did he? Yeah, that's, that's the only Tom Gordon go. fact I know. Hit that, and then uh, he had the save record before Eric Gagne had it, and then Gagne destroyed it. I think yes, Gordon was at like 50-something, and then Gagne gets to 84. Yeah, just the roided up uh, Eric Eric Gagne. Um, the first player in the baseball encyclopedia, the very first player before Henry Aaron and his brother Tommy Aaron, is who? Louis Aparicio. No, no, no. Do A's. Mm. David Ardsma. David oh. Ardsma, number one in the baseball encyclopedia that you know people probably don't own. Man, I, I loved the baseball encyclopedia. We had two in my house. We had my dad's old one, and then I got a new one at some point. But, you know, kids, before the Internet, before the beauty and majesty of BaseballReference.com, the world's greatest website, uh, the baseball encyclopedia was where you went to find things. And if you open to page one, and, do they even still make one? It's so big. It is ridiculously big. It's the thickest, most absurd book of all time. And uh, it is not very necessary anymore. Zach Zayman coming up at 1220 with Cubs pregame. I'm very interested to see if you Darvish can solve these White Sox bats. The left-handed, venerable, aging starter, the number three, John Lester, could not stop these White Sox bats. They destroyed him. And they're great against lefties. And then the professorial right-hander with multiple change-ups and really good movement on his pitches and a, uh, a terrific academic approach could not solve these White Sox bats. So maybe the guy with the best stuff, the guy with the true swing-and-miss stuff on this starting staff can get a notorious swing-and-miss team, the White Sox, to do that more than hitting the huge barrage of home runs they've been hitting. They swing and miss more than anybody in baseball. This was true as of two days ago. I don't know if it's true anymore, two days since, 11 homers since, but probably because they struck out, what, 13 times on Friday night? So even with all the home runs, they struck out a bunch. So can you, Darvish, solve the White Sox bats? That's one of the things that we're going to be looking for. That's for sure. Uh, you talked this week about Tommy Hadovy. Tommy and actually, it's... um. It was noticeable this week, but we're going to go back to last June is when Tommy Hadovy helped you, Darvish. And you look at his numbers and his statistics, his success since then, it's been massive. And he works very, very slowly right now. And you, Darvish, says that pitching coach Tommy Hadovy helped him do that. Listen to you. I changed my pace pitching. I'm a slow guy, you know, when I was in Japan. After I came here, a lot of guys, you know, want me to throw more quick as possible. And that didn't work for me. Like, you know, when I focus on that, you know, I can focus on my pitch and I walk, you know, everybody. And then in June, July last year, I talked with uh, Tommy. I am, you know, I want to focus more like pitches, like not on the like tempo. Right. And after that, you know, I'm, I feel more comfortable and then getting more better resort from game, game start. 
So that's you, Darvish. That he is a slow and thoughtful guy, and that's what he does. Um, that's when he does his best. I have seen him many times, and I'm sure you can think of it as well. After a long and grueling at bat, then kind of rush a little bit and just kind of throw a fastball that seems very hittable. All of a sudden, you're like, man, why are people pouncing on Darvish? Because he needs to think. He needs to labor. That's him. Whatever you need, figure that out and be that. And that's what he needs. He's not the guy. I mean, it's so antithetical to the way, say, Lucas Giolito works. We watched this week when Giolito and James McCann were reunited, and they should be united every time the Giolito pitches. I've said this since February. They figured something out together last year. Let them keep rolling, and I hope that Ricky Renteria does that. But back to Darvish, he doesn't work that fast. That's not him. This is what he needs to do, is concentrate on every pitch and think artistically about his arsenal and what he wants to do. We'll be very interested to see if he can do that. Uh, Chris Bryant on the injured list retroactively after he hurt that wrist and thumb diving for the ball um, out there in left field. Ian Miller has been called up to fill out the roster and put that back to 28. Uh, Chris Bryant supposed to speak today. Uh, via Zoom at around 12.30. Our Zach Zaidman, who will take over with pregame in a few minutes, I'm sure we'll have the very latest on that. Hoping for a bounce back for Javier Baez. And, and after last night, two bad throws in the third inning from Javi Baez. And you can't take your offensive troubles out to the field, Javi. Can't do it. Ho- hopefully that kind of woke him up a little bit because that was that was rough and you don't usually see that. But two bad throws... And then he came back, and his next three at-bats were much better. A first-pitch ambush that he hit very hard down the line, almost for a hit. Then a walk and a single, and a good defensive play later on as well. Solid start to a double play. So Javi back in the three-hole today, and the Cubs need him very badly to get going. Thanks to all you listeners and interactors for a great show today. Really enjoyed being with you on this, the Cubs-Sox weekend. So much fun. Much gratitude for getting to be here and do this with you. And you can find me always on Twitter at MattSpiegel670. Thank you to Sean Marshall from Marquee. Thank you to A.J. Pruszynski from Fox and to Chris Kampka as well. Sean Anderson, great job, man. You are the goods. Listen to Zach next. By the way, Cubs and Sox conversation, anytime we're talking about this series, is presented by Xfinity. Xfinity X5 delivers blazing fast Wi-Fi with no curveballs. Zach Zaman is next with Cubs pregame. Have a great day, everybody, and enjoy the game. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.